have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 18. We're going to continue our studies on the parables, and this morning, either the unjust judge or the persistent widow, whichever you choose to call it. And before I do that, I, uh, Derek, come back up here, buddy. This is Derek. Y'all met him. He's the MC. Many of you know him. Well, we are transitioning. Eric is transitioning out of youth ministry. Eric Brown, he's been our youth pastor for eight years, which is an extremely long time for a youth pastor. The average youth pastor stays somewhere 18 months. And so he's been with us, but he's not leaving us. He's moving. He, he leads worship at the Mosley campus. He's also helping us with groups. Derek has been a part of the church for the last four years. Four years. Come here, man. He's been a part of the young adult ministry and the high school director. And as of August 1st, he'll be our new Clover Hill Assembly youth pastor. Can you give a big hand for Derek? So it is, it's exciting. It's going to be a great transition. It's going to be fun. Uh, your kids will love Derek as they did Eric. And uh, we're just going to keep pressing forward. Amen. So when you see him on the way out, you just, just uh, hit him on his shoulder. Little stocky dude. He's small, but he's tough, man. Just tough. Dynamite. If you, did I already say, tell you where to turn in your Bibles? Luke chapter 18. Oh, oh, and it's the story on parables. The whole story is really about persistent praying. And so before I go into the parable, keep your finger there. I need to lay a little foundation concerning prayer. And, and I don't want this to be monotonous, but I think we need a good reminder of how important prayer is. All throughout Scripture, God admonishes us, God commands us to pray. I, I mean, we don't have to go far in the Bible to find out that God wants a relationship with us. For, uh, prayer is just communicating with God. Samuel said, it's a sin if I, if I don't pray. Samuel said, when I, when I don't pray, I mean, I'm disconnecting from God, and for me, it's a sin. The Psalms 32 said, let everyone who is godly pray. Isaiah 56, 7 uh, was prophesied by Isaiah later, declared by Jesus in the Gospels that my house will be called a house of prayer, not a house of worship, though we do worship, and we don't apologize for our worship, not a house of preaching, though we do preach. It shall be called a house of prayer. I want... I want my people to come together collectively. There's something about power in corporate prayer. There, there's, the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So if you're by yourself, there's power in that. But when two or three gather in my name, I'm in the midst of them. God just does something where people agree together and pray together. And that's why he said, my house, I want it to be a house of prayer. Paul said, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry, easier said than done, but don't fret, don't fume, don't, don't be discouraged, but just pray about it. Quit telling everybody else all your problems and tell Jesus. He's the only one that can fix it. Take it to God in prayer and, and make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Paul told the church at Thessalonica, be joyful always, pray continually. Well, how do you do that? It's just an attitude of prayer. It's a mindset of prayer. Before anything, before that big meeting, God, I just need your help today and give me grace. Before you get your kids on the bus, God, just watch over. You know, you're rushing them out the door. God, watch over and protect them. As you're driving to work, God, it's a new day. This is the day you've given me, and I just want to honor you with it. It's just, an, it's just an attitude, a heart of prayer. As you study scripture, nothing, it doesn't appear anything gets done without prayer. Prayer is the way you defeat the devil. It's the way the lost gets saved. It's the way you acquire wisdom. It's how the backslider is restored. 
It's the way we get workers for the mission field, the sick are healed. The impossible is accomplished. If you look at the life of Jesus, he bathed his ministry and his life in prayer. The Son of God would not, could not do anything without committing it to prayer. Prayer, the early church, was birthed and sustained by prayer. Prayer saturates the book of Acts like salt saturates the ocean. It begins, Acts begins with a prayer meeting, and all throughout the scripture is woven in every chapter. The early church, they, their testimony was the only reason people are getting saved, bodies are getting healed, cities are getting won, is because of the church's commitment to prayer. So, so I think, I don't think we'll argue about that. I think we all understand if we have any, any kind of knowledge of God that prayer is important, that prayer is vital. But I think the problem becomes, well, I don't know how to pray. And it, it's just hard to pray. And, and, and if you're, I mean, I've spent time just like you and, and I've tried to pray and there's been times where I've fallen asleep. There's been times where my mind just wanders. And don't look at me like that because you do the same thing. It's, it's sometimes work. Prayer is work. It takes effort. It takes energy. And I've preached on the pattern of prayer several times of the, over the last 20 years. And, and on September 13, 2015, I did a sermon that kind of had a pattern. It's called Book Smart Prayer. And I encourage you to write that down because sometimes you're motivated to pray, but you just don't know how to pray. And if I had a tool to pray, then I could do it. And I just want to give it to you quickly. But again, in that Book Smart sermon, there's, it goes into a lot more detail. But Jesus gave us a pattern for prayer in the Lord's Prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Really, it's our prayer. It's, how, it's, it's just this road map. And you begin with praise. That, that's what he says, our Father which art in heaven. Hollow, hollow just means to praise, to give worth, to reverence, to respect. It begins, prayer begins not by just rushing in the presence of the Lord. I need this, I got to have that. And there are some times where you just don't have time. You need a miracle and you need it now. But, but prayer, when, you, when you're daily praying, it's, it's this is the day that the Lord has made. It's I'm going to enter his gates with thanksgiving. I'm going to come into his courts with praise. It's just declaring with your mouth that, God, you're God. I'm not. You're an awesome God. I would pop in a worship CD. I would get uh, some kind of on my phone or whatever music you use where it just lifts up the name of Jesus. I would spend four or five minutes just in praise, just in worship, just in giving glory and worth to God. It sets the environment. It, It ushers in his presence. It gets your heart ready to pray. Here's another thing he said. The next thing. Surrender to God's priorities. So I've just, I've just started with prayer, with praise, and now I'm just going to declare, thine is the ki- your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, not my will, but thy will. I, I, I know what I want. I know what I think I need, but, but I just surrender to your will. I surrender to what you want. God, I, I acknowledge that you are in control of my life, and I give you the reins of my heart. Lord, I get everything I have, I give, and I surrender to you. And then you can move on to this next point where he says, make your requests known. And that's just give us this day our daily bread. So, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. I know I should pray. I know I ought to pray. We'll begin with praise. Then go to surrender. And then make your request. And that's just, Lord, I pray for my marriage. I pray for my kids. I pray for my future mate. I pray for whatever. I'm just believing you for my job. It's a time where we really just bring our requests to the Lord, and I know God knows them. He knows every head on our every hair on our head. But for some reason, He wants us to present them. He wants us to make them known. He wants us to to write them down and speak them out. 
And, and you do that in that part of your prayer. And then you examine your relationships. I would do this every day as a part of prayer. Search my heart, oh God, and see if there's any wicked way in me. I want my relationships to be right. I want my attitude to be right. Here's what he said. Forgive us our debts. So Jesus, forgive me as I forgive my debtors. So to the same degree that you forgive me, let me forgive. Just like you forgive me, let me forgive. And, and uh, somebody called me this week, picked it up, and they said, I let it go. And I said, you let what go? What are you talking about? And they said, your sermon on Sunday, don't you remember? And I said, yeah, I remember. Just remind me. What? Tell, tell me. Tell me what, what happened. And, and he said, well, I, for 18 years, I've been harboring bitterness and resentment and anger against my ex-wife. And it has really done a work on me. The situation hasn't changed, but I feel like I'm aging. It's just, it's just, it's just not been good for me. And so Sunday after church, I took your advice and I got a three by five card and I wrote her name on it and I wrote the offenses and what she owed me and I lit it on fire and I burned it and I'm, I, I'm, I'm letting it go. I'm getting over it and I'm just believing God. I said, well, how'd you feel? He said, he said, I feel great. Of course you do. Because when you get that junk out of your life, it, it, just, it just makes a difference in you. And, and the ceremony is so important. The burning is so important of the card because it's not going to let go easy. But you got to have a mental picture in your mind that says, oh, when that thought comes back up, when you see that person, oh, man, I burned that. I let it go. They don't owe me anymore. That's the time where we're in your prayer where you just make sure your relationships are right. And then you seek God's protection. You, you see how, I mean, you say, I don't know how to pray. I can't even pray three minutes without leaving, losing focus. You do this pattern and, and you do this template and you're already, I mean, you're already 15 minutes in with just, with just spending time with the Lord. And, and here's what this is all about. It, Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. See, you got an enemy, his name is Satan, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to ruin your life and ruin your family and steal your kids. And at this time of the prayer, you're just saying, God, I, I just pray that the angels of the Lord will encamp around my family, around my home. I pray, I pray that we won't be, when temptation comes, because I know that it's coming, that you'll give me a keen awareness, that you'll keep me on full alert, that I won't give in to that roaring lion that's seeking to devour my soul and my heart and my spirit. I just pray for divine protection. And then the last thing is, thank you for his promises, in where you started. For thine is the kingdom. Lord, you're in control. Thine is the power. Lord, nothing's impossible for you. Thine is the glory forever and ever. Amen. So we've got this admonished meant in scripture that we're to be people of prayer, that, that the church is to be called a house of prayer, that we ought to be known and we ought to spend time in prayer. But how do I pray? So Jesus gives us a pattern and walks us through it. But here's the next thing I think, I don't know if next, whatever, but here's what I want to tell you. We can get discouraged when we pray. The greatest motivation for prayer is answered prayer. And sometimes we don't get the answer on our timetable and on our mind. And we can get discouraged and we can quit. We'll may, and and we, we rationalize like, well, maybe God wants that relationship to be sour. Maybe God doesn't want to save my lost son. Maybe God doesn't want to heal our nation. 
Maybe it's just the judgment of God and he's going to do what he's going to do anyway. So why do I even need to pray? And so with that, with that mentality or that thinking, God told his disciples a parable because obviously they were wrestling with discouragement in prayer. They were wrestling with the issue, God, we're praying, we're believing, we're seeking, but it doesn't seem to be working. What's the deal? What, what, what do we do? And so Jesus told his disciples way back then, but he's telling us now, a story, parable, with a spiritual lesson to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And in, in your outline, on your paper, I've I'd put that, underline that, always pray and not give up. Always pray and not give up. That's the purpose of this lesson. That's the purpose of this parable. Don't let the characters, don't let the story mess you up on what the purpose is. The purpose is, I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to illustrate something so that you'll pray and not give up. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. So we're introduced to the two characters and the problem. The, the, the one is this widow. And, and this widow, in, oh, it's never, I guess, fun to be a widow, never easy to be a widow. But in, in, in the Bible days, it was extraordinary hard. I mean, a widow, that's why all throughout scriptures it says take care of widows and orphans. Because they're like at the bottom of the totem pole. In, in, in that culture, in that society, in that setting, they were kind of outcast. You, 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 they, don't, they weren't provided for, no government agencies. If they didn't have a son, they wouldn't be taken care of. They were powerless. They didn't have jobs. They weren't, they weren't, women didn't work. They kept the home. They didn't have education. They didn't, they didn't have a means of getting a job. And so they had to fend for themselves. So there was this widow. She had this adversary. We don't know what the problem was. We don't know what the issue was, but she needed justice. And I love, I, love, I love what the word justice means. She wasn't asking, give me what I want. No, wasn't even, even asking, give me what I need. She was saying, give me what is right. That's what justice is, to do the right thing. I just want what's right. And so she was out of, out of options, nobody to turn to, nobody to to make a request to accept this one unjust judge. He sat on his bench every day. He sat overlooking the people. Somehow he got in there. He was a corrupt. He was evil. Did not fear God. That means he did not, he was not accountable. He didn't care what, he didn't care what God thought. He could render any, anything he wanted to. He wasn't gonna, he didn't have this idea that he'd stand before God one day. There was no fear of God. There was no a consequence for his action. He could do, he was his own God. He could do whatever, whenever, however he wanted. And he did not care about man. So he didn't care about that lady. He didn't care about her plight. He didn't care about her situation. He didn't care about her future. She was just an interruption. She was a headache. She was a hassle. She, she was just a problem on his long list of to-dos. And she just kept coming to him. And she kept coming to him. And she kept coming to him. And she wouldn't quit. And she wouldn't stop. And, and you got to know something. That was not the protocol of that day. That was not, that was not how things were handled. You, you would get a court date. You would plead your case before a judge. He would render his decision. And you would deal with the, the judgment, regardless of what it is, good or bad. That was your hand, and that's how you dealt with it. 
this woman did not go by protocol. She wasn't going to wait for her court date. She wasn't going to give in to, you're just going to have to make it on your own. You're going to have to do it. She tried to bug the cheese out of this unjust judge, knocking on his door, constantly pestering him, bickering him, wanting something from him. And can I just pause there and say, again, this story is about praying and not giving up. But God, God doesn't, he, he wants us to get outside of protocol. He, he responds to holy desperation. You got to know something about God. God responds when we get desperate. I think that's when he loves to respond the most because we get so outside of ourselves. We can't fix this. We can't do this. I got to have God. And there's just this holy desperation that gets the attention of God and causes him to work on our behalf. I think of those four friends that had that, that crippled friend. You remember the story? And, and Jesus is in some kind of structure. I don't know what it was like. I don't know church. I don't know what it was. Some kind of structure. Everywhere Jesus went, there were crowds. So crowds were pressing in. Lines were made. People were trying to get to Jesus. And these guys weren't going to wait in line. And, and that just goes against all kind of injustice right there. I was at Chick-fil-A the other day, and somebody cut me. I couldn't believe it. I mean, cut me right in Chick-fil-A. And the, and the anger and the injustice and what are you doing? This guy, these four guys, they cut everybody. Somehow, the risk, the challenge, the difficulty, the equipment they had to have, they get this guy on a roof, cut a hole in the roof, and lower him to the feet of Jesus. And you know how Jesus responds? He doesn't say, what are you doing? You just cut everybody. You got to wait yourself in line. You got to go to the end. Who do you think you are? He didn't say, man, you better fix that ceiling. Somebody's going to come get you. You just made a terrible mess. No, he said, your faith has made you healed. Something about that holy desperation that touched the heart of Jesus and caused him to respond in favor and in grace and in blessing and healing. I think sometimes in our Western ideas, we, well, if God wants to do it, he'll just do it. I think he's looking for a people that will cry out, that will do things that, that are not protocol, that, that don't necessarily look right or seem right. But we'll go to God. I mean, all throughout Scripture you see that. You see Zacchaeus, a middle, middle-aged businessman, wanted to get a glimpse of God, and so he climbed a tree. How many 45-year-old men will climb up a tree in a suit to see Jesus? Not many. But he was rewarded by Jesus coming to his house. That blind beggar on the side of the road, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Stop, man. You're, you're making a scene. Stop it. Jesus! Son of David, man, if he wants to heal you, he'll heal you. Just be quiet. He's got more important things to do. Just made him yell louder. Jesus, son. Jesus turned his way, touched his eyes, made whole in Jesus' name. Why? Because he responds to this holy desperation. And this woman is not going to take no for an answer. She's so desperate for justice that she won't shut up. And she goes to this unjust judge. For some time he refused. Stop, quit, go away. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, I don't care about this woman. I don't care what people think. I don't, think, I don't care if they think I'm fair or not. But she keeps bothering me. I'm going to see that she gets justice. She's eventually going to come and attack me and wear me out. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice. And quickly, however, when the Son of Man comes, will, here's, the, here's a key point. Will he find faith on the earth? And I'll explain that to you in a minute. Here's what this parable is not about. 
It's not about who we are or what God's like. We are not like that widow. She was powerless and helpless. We are the children of the Most High God. And if God clothes the lilies of the field and feeds the birds of the air, how much more does he care for us? I'm not another thing on God's to-do list. I am his creation. I am his child. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon me, that I should be called the child of God. I don't know about your children, but my children don't have to get in line. They don't have to, they don't have to go to the voicemail. They don't have to send me. They get direct access to their father because they're mine. We have direct as- access to the throne of God to find grace and mercy in our help of time of need. We are nothing like the widow. And God is nothing like the judge. That judge was unmerciful and crooked and unfair and disrespectful and uncaring and preoccupied. God is righteous and just and holy and tender and responsive and sympathetic. God's word teaches us that he loves to bless his children, that he's an encouraging God and a blessing God and a giving God and a nurturing God and an empowering God and a loving God. Jeremiah maybe said it best when he said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. This story is nothing what we're like, and it's nothing what God's like. It's all about God trying to illustrate that we are to pray and not give up. And that's a theme in our life. Discouragement. Everybody deals with it. Everybody at times struggles with it. Well, it's not making a difference. It's not getting anywhere. The situation doesn't seem to change. It's not, it's not, this woman kept going even when, when it didn't change. And here's the point. Will he find faith on the earth? Will they continue to trust me? Will they continue to pray to me? Will they continue to believe me? Even when it doesn't look like anything's happening. You know, this idea of discouragement is all throughout scripture. And Jesus used many parables to just encourage You remember the the parable of the sower? One of the themes of that is to encourage the disciples because they were going out sharing the gospel and people were resistant to it. People were hard to it. And Jesus said, hey, look, guys, there's nothing wrong with the soil. I mean, nothing wrong with the seed and there's nothing wrong with the uh, sower. It has everything to do with the soil. You just keep doing what you're doing. You leave the results to me. Don't get discouraged. Be encouraged. I'm working even when it doesn't seem like it. The disciples were struggling with this issue of, of the unrighteous were being blessed like the righteous. I, I thought, God, if we said yes to you, that everything in our lives would get better and the unrighteous would get worse. But it seems like we're getting worse and they're getting better. What's going on? And so God told this story of the wheat and the tares. And he says, they're just going to grow together, the wheat and the tares. But there's going to come a time where I'm going to pull up the tares and I'm going to wrap them up. And they're going to get their day of judgment. Here's what he said. Hey, don't be discouraged. You just keep living for me. You just keep honoring me. You just keep your eyes fixed on me. Your reward is coming. It's the same issue with the parable of this persistent widow. Just don't, don't quit. Don't lose faith. Don't be discouraged. When Jesus comes back, is he going to find that kind of faith on the earth where we're continually going after God? I, I just, I, I think sometimes we quit too soon. We give up right before our miracle. You remember the story of Joshua? Uh, and he had to, Joshua took over from Moses. And he goes to Jericho, which is the first city that has to be taken before they go into the promised land. 
And Jer- the, the Jericho people are so afraid of the Israelites that they build this great wall around their city. They said it's so big they do chariot races around it. It takes a, an hour to walk around. And God says, I want you to go, Joshua, and walk around that city six times. And then on the seventh day, you, you walk around it. And I want you to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And so those trained soldiers, they get on that wall on the first day. And they're walking around. It. And, it, you know, I said earlier that the greatest motivation for prayer is answered prayer. I, sometimes I just wish God was kind of like that game Tetris. Do you remember Tetris? Anybody? I know all y'all are playing Pokemon Go now. And, but Tetris was popular in my day. And, and you would have all these little blocks. I don't even know if I can explain it, but all these little blocks. And, and, and the goal was to get to the bottom, and, and you would, uh, what is I saying? Hey, a lot of moving around right now. Could you just, you're, I'm, you're like a camel. You don't have to go to the bathroom for years. Just sit here and, and, and listen. I think God wants to do something. A lot of distractions going on. A lot of people up and down. Hold tight, will you? Yes, I will, Pastor Stan. Yes, yes, yes. Let's keep going. Did I just? Okay, you're with me. So here we go. What was I saying? So Joshua's on this mountain, and I just wish, I just wish that like Tetris, one of those blocks would be removed. And I bet those guys would say, oh, I'll come back tomorrow because at least something's falling down, something's happening. But nothing happened. I mean, they just walked around the first time. No blocks came down. They walked around the second time. No blocks came down. They walked around the third time. No blocks came down. I wonder that sixth time if they really wanted to come back day seven. But thank God they did. Because on the seventh day, the walls came tumbling down. Will God find such faith on the earth for people that will commit to continuing to pray? What, what about, you, you remember the story of Elijah when, when uh, he was praying for rain? Three, it had been a three-year drought. No rain for three years. And so God promised him rain. So the Bible says that he gets on his knees and he gets his, puts his hands in his face and he begins to pray and cry. God, give us rain. God, give us rain. God, you've promised it. We believe it. Now send it. And he sent one of his servants to go look over the mountain and see if there's rain. Is there anything over there? He goes, nothing, Elijah. God, you said there's supposed to be rain. I'm believing you for rain. I stand on your word. I stand on your promises. I'm be- go look and see if there's any rain. Four times, nothing, Elijah, no rain. He got, God, you got to send rain. Lord, you got to show that wicked king Ahab that you're God. We, we need you. Our crops are dying. Our cattle are dying. We need the rains of heaven to open up and to fall on our land. Go look, servant, see if there's anything. Seventh time, he looks out there. Elijah, I do see something way, way over there. There's a cloud that's about the size of a man's hand. Elijah hopped up. He said, rain's coming. Get your raincoat. Get your umbrella. God's answered our prayer. And on that seventh time, the rain fell from heaven. The Bible describes it as a terrible storm that filled the earth and watered the ground. I wonder what would have happened if Elijah would have stopped on that third time, that seventh time, sixth time, fifth time. That's what this, prayer, that's what this song is about, this story is about. That this prayer, that they would not give up, that, they, that she would not faint. Here, here's what Hebrews says. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. You, you need, you praying for that son or daughter? Keep praying. You praying for that difficult situation? Keep praying. You praying for that lost loved one? I mean, don't lose heart. Don't quit. Don't faint. Keep praying. You praying for that healing miracle? Keep, keep believing. Keep praying. 
You know, I'm, I'm so discouraged over the state of our union right now. I mean, I just, I look at our dysfunction in our government, the arguing and the bickering and the slander. They're so, it, it appears to me, and I'm no politician, I don't know a lot about government, but it appears to me they're so, they're so arguing about who's right or wrong that they don't even care about America anymore. It's just, it's just, it's disheartening. The stupidity in our decision making. We're, we're deciding if, girl, if boys can use girls' bathrooms. Well, you just got to self-identify. I mean, that's not, I'm not even trying to be Christian or not Christian. It just doesn't make sense to me, the things that we're, we're arguing about. Terrorists are killing innocent people every day. And our military leaders, our generals, are burdened with the task of integrating transgenders on a battlefield, changing accommodations. We got this, we got this wicked enemy called ISIS that wants to destroy everything and rule. And we got our men trying to figure out how do I make a, a man that wants to be a woman integrate with a bunch of other people? It just doesn't make sense to me. It's just, it's like, where has our brains gone? I'm in the diminishing of our morals and values. There was, an, there was some debate about a, a reading list that Chesterfield County sent out. And on the list, some of our parents got involved, and I did a little bit of research, and, and there was some stuff on there that junior high, high schoolers had no business reading. The sex and the violence and the, even the, some of the drug abuse, the language. It just didn't correlate with Chesterfield County's values and, and the character traits that they're trying to instill in our young people. And so the debate is heating. It's going back and forth. And one woman said, it's not so important as what our students are reading but that they're reading. Here's, here's her logic. It doesn't matter what they're reading. They just need to read. They're not going to read Old Yeller, so we got to put something in their hands that will capture them and get their attention. we got to let them read sex and violence and hear some profanity and cursing. It, does, am I the only one that that... Where is logic in that? It's like it doesn't matter who your friends are. It's just important you have friends. That's crazy. Your, your friend's bad character corrupts good morals. What you put in your mind is going to come out of your life. I don't want to feed myself with junk. I want to, I want to feed my, myself with good things. I've never, I've never, and I'm not old. I'm a young guy. But I've never been so disappointed in our leadership. Never been so discouraged concerning our future. Never been so depressed over the moral decay and here's the challenge. If we're not careful, we just give up. We throw in the towel. It's not going to make a difference anyway. God told us, Jesus told us this parable that we should pray and not give up. Jesus told us to, to continue to pray, to continue to seek God. Here's a, here's a uh, prophetic word from a prominent pastor I heard the other day. Here's what he said. Great change is coming to America. I've heard the heartfelt prayers of my people, and I'm fixing it. Rest in me, and you'll see it come to pass. I'm not done with the United States of America. The United States is the only nation in history that was founded by a people that loved me for the purposes of worshiping me. I created the nation of Israel because I loved them. America was created by people that loved me, and I will not forget it. Church, now is not the time to give up. Now is not the time to get fearful 
and disillusioned and cynical and careless. Now is the time that if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and then I will forgive their sin and then I will heal their land. May God's house be a house of prayer. What have you given up on? What have you quit praying for? The salvation of your husband. The return of your children. The healing of your body. The freedom from your sin. Revival in America. I told you this parable, Jesus said, that you should pray and not give up. Amen, everybody? Amen. 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 Lord, help us.